Women's Power to Heal Mother Earth This is Maya Tawari The Power to be Heard In the present quagmire of challenges that we in the world are facing, both men and women feel the need to be heard more now than ever. Being heard is not just having someone listen to you or acknowledge what we're saying, but being heard resonates in our own heart and in our own power of speech when we're truly being heard. It is a deep and profound need of the human person, not just to validate someone's experience or difficulties or challenges, but I know all too well from my last decade of immense challenges with covert operations and violence against my being and body, what it is to be dumbed down, to be silenced, and what it is to have society not be willing to have a listening ear for those of us who are being targeted. There are millions of people today that are being targeted by covert violence that have been silenced because of the system, the methodology used to silence them. And part of the other end of the methodology is the public. It's the listening neighbor, it's the listening friend, it's the listening parent or sibling. It is those that are at the other end that would make a difference to those who are suffering, to those who want to be heard. I'm not going to concentrate today on uh, covert ops and its violence of terrorism, which must be unveiled, which must be brought to the attention of the public, the caring public, that is, because it is an insidious, underground, shadowed movement that is affecting the very heart and the very truth and the very wholesome part of our nature in humanity. And while all else is being dug up and while the earth herself is being scoured and everything erupting in the face that we would consider negative, negative experiences, the pandemics, the violence, the wars, the corruption, and as I sit in this new city that I have just moved to in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I see this strident vision of thousands and thousands of homeless men and women, young men, young women, women with babies in their arms, men that are barely in their mid-twenties. It is appalling to see that a city of this small size can have at least what I see as a quarter of its population being homeless and not finding a solution to that. But we will get back to that in another episode. Today, I am actually inspired to talk about what it means to be heard as a human person. We underestimate the value of speech. We do not understand the value of what it is to be heard. So I'll speak to both of those incredible ability of the human person and only the human species have these abilities, by the way. So it, this time of challenges, 
this quagmire of detritus darkness that we've been forced into, mostly by our collective actions and, and also our individual contribution to these actions, knowingly or unwittingly, I want to let us know what it is in the Vedic tradition, which is a very ancient most tradition that birth in India, rooted in India, whose influence through yoga, Yurveda, Vastu, has reached the ends of the earth and always had been influencing the cultures of Europe and uh, North South America and and all of that. But um, getting back to the point, the point is, from the Vedic perspective, I want to talk about the spiritual. And don't get confused by the word spiritual. I simply mean it in the context of this conversation as that which is extremely profound, a profound need of a human person, especially women today who are suffering violence, be it domestic violence, societal violence, communal violence, whichever violence it is, we are all suffering. And this has to change. And so I'm hoping that our perspective is shifted by the talks that we do on women's power to heal Mother Earth. First, in order to understand the power to be heard, the power to have someone hear us, truly, truly hear us and listen to us, and what that listening means and what the, recept the receptive hearing is about, let me first talk about Vak, speech. Vacha, or Vak is the goddess of the spoken word in the Vedic tradition. And in ancient latter-day Vedic literature, she was embodied or is embodied by the goddess Saraswati, whom we know to be the goddess of creativity, of speech, of knowledge, of wisdom, of art, and so forth. Vak, the goddess, is the creator of the alphabet and of the Sanskrit language. The Sanskrit is more than a language, it is cosmic iconography, it is the cosmic, we should say, the cosmic uh, scribes of our network in communication that first started, as we know, or was first revealed by Vedic tradition. There are other native traditions that also have revealed this in the Mayan context and other incredible indigenous native cultures. But the one that has had the storehouse of knowledge retained the most is truly the Vedic tradition. In the early Rig Vedas, Vak is referred to as the voice of the priest, which is raised in sacrifice, but it is her, the goddess's voice. She is the source of voice because she is also the creator of the first utterance of the cosmic sound, Om. And that Om sound resonates and brings forth and brings alive and renovates and downloads and uploads our four states of consciousness that we experience here on Earth. Also, I'll get back to that in future talks. Vak is what enters into the mind of poets and visionaries and artists 
and the great philosophers and those who are inspired to give an expression through the energy of Vak that we so love. She is called the mother of the Vedas. Vak is depicted usually just on an off note as a graceful goddess who's dressed in golden raiments. And as the story goes, one day her husband admired her beauty so much that he grew five faces in order to see her at every angle and in every direction. Well, that is quite a story. She is the goddess of personified speech. She's within us so that every word we utter has its basis in the cosmic sound. So when we are being heard, when we are speaking from the place of truth, and generally there is no better, bigger, larger space of truth than the space of pain, challenges, or grief. And that is just the way that it is. There's also the inspired space of visionaries that we talk from, that helps us to heal the grief, that helps those of us who are visionaries to heal the opposite end of the spectrum, which is despair or grief or unhappiness or challenges that are extremely physically, emotionally, most of all spiritually painful. So we do always have a balance. We have the balance of the creative vision and then we have the balance of creating and, and balancing that which is overloaded in, in, in the detritus of, dark, of the dark. And therefore, the time for us to reclaim this incredible creativity is now because there is an imbalance, a humongous imbalance in our universe right now, on our Mother Earth right now, that has pitched us into the detritus of that dark pitch, that dark, dark, darkness, that lack of light. But the light is within us, and the light is how we are speaking, our speech, a new recognition of what the ancient meaning of our voice, our voice power, our word, our speech is about and how it becomes so alive and so potent and so reflecting back the power to us when it is truly being heard by another ear, another set of ear. Now we'll talk about that because this talk is about the power to be heard. And first I wanted us to cogitate on the power of speech, the power to output that sound. So much like a computer, it's an output-input balance. We can have the most amazing truth within us that we reveal with the most humble of intent and most the ground of truth when we tell our story. But unless it is heard, truly heard by other ears, then we do not have a resonant feedback. Input-output must have a source of equanimity, a source of stasis, a source of balance. And so speech needs to be heard. What we speak needs to be heard. What comes out of the oral, the orifice of the mouth must 
go into the orifices and crevices of the ear. Now, from the Vedic point of view, as you probably know, those of you who follow my podcast, that I have had, I was born in the Vedic Hindu tradition as a Brahmin person, and then later, after my bout with ovarian cancer at a very early age, I returned to the motherland of India. I was not born there, but I returned there to be trained in the Vedas, in something called Vedanta, the end portion of the Vedas that deals with self-knowledge. I have since uh, disrobed from my uh, my walk, my experience as a Vedic monk. I'm no longer a Vedic monk. However, knowledge is knowledge, and what has been retained by me in the journey that has been dedicated and devoted to personal awareness, to my personal freedom, and to personal authenticity, these are the things that I have retained and have discovered that I share with you. The Vedas is quite powerful. When we talk about what is to be heard, We need to understand the meaning of the word Shruti, which is a Sanskrit word that simply simply translates as what is heard. But basically, Shruti works are considered to be transmitted by the sages in my tradition. That which is heard. There's also Smriti, that which is remembered. But we will talk about that in an another episode down the road. Right now, we're talking about what the word Shruti in Sanskrit means. Now, don't look at Sanskrit as an Indian language. It is not. Sanskrit is the Vedic communal system that the super-intelligent devatas and, and, and goddesses, devis and devatas, in my tradition used in order to commune with the universe, in order to set certain templates so that we can understand what some of what I'm talking about. But of course, all of what we're talking about here, that is Vedic knowledge. Um, But here we're talking about the simple act of sharing our story, our hurt, our grief with those who can hear us. And this is so important. It's been so underrated. It has been so marginalized because it's not just about having validation of our stories, although we do need to validate our stories. But this is a greater human urge at the core of the human person, at the core of humanity. It is the most significant aspect of relationship connection to our humanity, and that is to have the freedom of speech, which our our constitution is so well aware of, but I don't understand that why they don't understand the true meaning of that, which is the freedom of speech. But here I'm talking about the freedom of the individual speech when there is a story that is told, that needs to be heard. And so it is beyond validation. It is, in fact, about fulfilling the core connection that we have with each other, the core connection that we bless each other, we love each other, we care for each other. And even in the conflicts that we have with each other, we must forge forward in order to get back 
to that transmission of my being able to tell my truth and you being able to hear my truth and you being able to tell your truth and I being able to hear it. And so basically we need to take the earplugs, the spiritual and the invisible earplugs out of our ear. We need to take that lock that's in our throats and we need to dispense with them because Shruti here means that which is transmitted from one human person to the other. And it's always in a state of equanimity. It's also in a state of the positive-negative. Well, what I mean by that, forget it. That's another, not such a great example. What I mean by it is that which is spoken and that which is heard must connect in the greater field of our cosmic energies. The ear is the organ that enables hearing in mammals. The ear is also described as having three parts, the outer ear, the middle ear, and the inner ear. And so physiologically we know that the outer ear consists of the pinna and the ear canal. And, and since the outer ear is only visible portion of the ear in most mammals, the word ear often referred to external parts alone, but in fact it does not. In the Sanskrit understanding of ear, we are looking at all three elements within the ear and we are looking at the deeper meaning of hearing which is called uh, karna is referred to the physiological ear and its three sectors but to hear to be heard is called shravanam and that is in one tradition of the vedas look at the first of the ninefold process of devotion believe it or not and in jnana yoga or in the yoga and the sadhana threefold sadhana of the original understanding of shravanam that which is to be heard we are looking at shravanam mananam nidhyasanam these threefold sadhanas as defined in the vedas are is quite revealing as to what it truly means to be heard should have shravanam is, is is defined as the consistent and systematic listening of truth for a length of time and usually under the guidance of either a competent acharya or guru or the guidance of our own inner guru so it does take you to morph into your greater higher state of being the guru that can hear what is being said and therefore this is one reason why what we are saying to our family and our so-called friends and and community and whatever and they may be good friends as well but unless that person has within themselves an awakened acharya teacher within themselves their own teacher within themselves being awakened if your story is steeped in pain and grief and agony it's not going to be heard even by your beloved people and that is no fault of the beloveds we need to understand that to cultivate the inner guru so that we can listen and hear and through 35 years of arduous work especially with women and cancer women with cancer and my travels, endless umpteen numbers of hundreds of travels around the world, I grew 
that inner guru, that inner ear, that without hearing a word of Vak out of their orifice of mouth, I could tell what it is that they were trying to say, what was unheard in their silent appeal for help. And gosh, we must bring that back because we can't connect with each other truly in this perilous time that we are being challenged to do so. We must, we must come to terms with this primordial fact and that is how do we hear each other? How do we tell our story and trust that it will be heard? How do I hear what someone else's trust being said? Now that this is so poignant, it is so relevant. I've just come off line with the uh, the Godmother's Wisdom Project, and there we were celebrating the 13 indigenous grandmothers of the world. There are so many more, but 13 ind indigenous grandmothers who decided to form this group had uh, so much that they needed to share in the indigenous, in the celebration of the Indigenous People Day, which is happening today, which has happened yesterday. And so basically, it was revealing to hear and to understand that voice had been suffocated for so many centuries in our modern world and just arousing it again and bringing it back. Although the grandmothers did not use this exact expression, I think what I heard was they were looking to be heard and authenticating their voice, but we don't need to authenticate that which is already authenticated centuries and centuries ago by the universe and the goddess mother herself. Now, getting back to the threefold understanding of hearing, shravanam, mananam, nidhyasanam. And briefly, I will explain it here and continue into part two of the same well, relevant dialogue that I'm having, monologue, I should say, with myself, but hopefully I'm having listeners that can hear it. So basically, it is a discussion. It is at least a dialogue. And so Shravanam, then, is more than being heard. Shravanam is that which is a process of the devotion in the awakened self of the inner guru, that hearing the transcendental descriptions of what is being said, understanding words in a transcendent way of what is being told, that is Shravanam. And Mananam, briefly, is defined in Sanskrit as logically dwelling upon what is being heard, meaning contemplating it, reflecting upon it, allowing its, the essence of its truth to ooze into the higher mind of our own self. That is, stepping back after hearing and, and contemplating it, letting it form its own essence and find its own viaducts or channels or conduits into the truth of what is truth, of what is essentially heard. And we always know when we hear truth. This is what has been dumbed down by the powers to be or patriarchs. And by the way, patriarchs don't just refer to men in my book. 
Patriarchs refer to every man and woman in power who have contributed to the patriarchal system and methodology of dumbing down the voice and dumbing down what is being heard and dumbing down both of our ability to speak and to be heard. And I am going to crack this wide open because we've so many ahead of me who have been doing that, but it's not enough. There aren't enough voices to break through this insidious, undershadowed world that has corrupted so much of wholeness in our humanity. Now, getting back to Mananam, then, is the contemplation. Now, Nidhyasanam is, is a beautiful thing because it's not only the internalization and assimilation of what is being heard and our dwelling on it and contemplating on it without doing any work because our incredible, all-informative, self-governing intelligence system knows precisely what to do with what is being heard. We don't have to struggle if we trust our inner teacher, our inner acharya, our inner guru. So basically then, Nidhyasanam is having contemplated it, we now let it get assimilated within what is the universal truth. We don't have to go into a great thesis on this to understand that we stay out of the lower mind, the higher mind knows exactly what to do. And the aim of Nidhyasanam is the assimilation of that which is heard so that we can access it from day to day so that it can be tried into its own trial. It can be its own self-evident truth proven day after day, moment after moment in our own movement, in our own transactions. It becomes alive. What becomes alive? What we are hearing in that person's story? Yes, but what becomes alive within us is how we and our experience have processed us to process this. The truth is truth. And however we process it, through Nidhyasanam, when it becomes manifested again, a truth that, for instance, let me tell you what Nidhyasanam truly is. If, if uh, These are uh, strange Sanskrit words for you, so I'll tell you. You hear that story. You've gone through the Mananam phase of contemplating, meaning you've backed off. You have some space and time. And now you're out there. And the Nidhyasanam process happens when you begin to look and see Oh my God, that is in consonant with what I heard from that person. Oh my goodness, there it is proven right in front of me visually. Oh my goodness, now I see, now I understand, now I, now I know. So, Shravanam, Mananam, Nidhyasanam, Shravanam is I hear, Mananam is I process, Nidhyasanam is I now see, I now know. All right. Peace be your journey, and thank you so much for listening to my impassioned uh, statements here. And we'll continue next time. Be well. Much love. Thank you.